0: This morning, uh, I want to take you on a little journey um, through the life of the disciples and things that Jesus said. And um, how well did the disciples really know Jesus? How well did they? Because right towards um, chapter 13, 14, they have some pretty clear questions, nothing ambiguous about the questions they wanted to know, and they weren't quite sure what Jesus was speaking about. And... um, they were fearful, they were anxious, and they were um, a little bit overwhelmed. And I remember in my life, at one stage, um, in the electrical engineering side of things, I was in a situation in Tamworth where I knew I could go to any of the engineers I worked with and knock on their door, ask them to check calculations. When you're spending big money, you want to know that where you design for something to go is going to work and uh, very important, that aspect of uh, network, electrical network. However, um, I um, applied for an international uh, exchange uh, between Australia and New Zealand. I think it was the only one that ever happened in the electrical industry. But um, upon arriving, you don't have those who are protecting your back. You don't have those doors that you can knock on any time you like, and you walk into an unknown situation. I'd never been a design engineer of a city of, of um, 80,000, 90,000 people. So, um, a little daunting, and uh, the first day, a developer walks in and tells me of a shopping plaza that he's building, wants to know what the fault level is, what is required in, in the way of a a substation within the uh, whole uh, uh, complex. And so I thought, well, surely someone here knows. Asked a few questions. Nobody knew. <laughs> it was an organisation that lived by the rule of thumb for many years and nobody sat down and did the calculations. So that afternoon, that evening, I worked away and did the calculations, said to the guy, come back tomorrow and I will have the answers for you. He came back and he was quite delighted. He said, I don't usually get answers as quick as this when I ask. But um, fear and anxiety, a lot of things in life, we go through these type of experiences. And the the disciples were no different. They were no different. But one of the beautiful things Jesus says to them, in leaving you, and that's what really shocked the disciples, in leaving you, I'm not going to leave you alone a comforter. The Holy Spirit is coming and he will dwell with you. He's going to remind you of everything and he's going to lead and direct and comfort you. I find that sometimes I'm working on something and I get up and I know I've got to get something. I get out to where I thought I was going or what I was getting and I forgot. So I go back and I think, oh yes, that's what I need. And I get the message that as we get older, these type of things happen to us. So um, um, it's nice to know the Holy Spirit is alive within us and uh, keeping us refreshed and bringing things back to our mind. For three years, the disciples and Jesus were together, wandered around the countryside and saw miracle upon miracle. But in actual fact, they left their jobs, they left their careers, they left everything that they were to be with Jesus. The first miracle we read of in Chapter 1 of the Gospel of John is the wedding feast where water is turned into wine. Now guys, I ask you, wouldn't he be a good mate to have at a party with you when suddenly you run out of the wine and you need more just to look after all your mates? You know, the person who really knew what was happening wasn't the disciples, it was Mary. Mary says to the contractor, now this is a shame for this to happen in a Jewish wedding, And she just says to the contractors speak to jesus whatever he tells you to do do it and poor old jesus says to his mum he says mum my time has not yet come you know (laughs) don't be pushing me off into areas that may be but it happens it happens and the disciples were there watching what was going on what about the cleansing of the temple it moves into chapter 2 cleansing of the temple where tables were turned over Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. It is a house of prayer. And even the the Jewish uh, leaders responded, what sign can you show us to prove the authority that you say you have? And Jesus comes back with a perfect answer. I will destroy this temple and I will raise it up again in three days. And he's talking about his own body. Well, wow. uh, Nicodemus, who comes by night seeking answers, a man who has, can see what's going on and says, look, no man, unless they're from God, could do what you do. He comes asking those questions. How does a person be born again? Chapter 3, the Samaritan woman, where Jesus is left at the well while the disciples go off to purchase food, and this woman comes... And uh, truly, truly, this is the saviour of the world. He told me everything that I've ever done in my life. And she goes back and she is so excited. The whole village, the whole town uh, comes and there's a great number of people who are acknowledging that this Jesus is really the saviour. Bethsaida pool, a man who was an invalid, unable to walk, for 38 years. It's recorded that he lay beside this pool and the pool would stir in some magical way and people would try to jump in to receive healing. Don't ask me to explain the stirring of the water. Have no idea. Michael probably has. (laughs) No. And Jesus just simply says, do you want to get well? do you really want to be well or not? And he goes on. He doesn't answer the question immediately. He goes on and he he says, the water stirs and I have no one to put me in. And Jesus simply says to him, get up, pick up your bed and walk. And immediately ends up in confrontation with some of the leaders. What about feeding of the 5,000 Jesus says um, says to Philip, uh, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Jesus is giving Philip the opportunity to act in this situation. Half a year's wages, that would cost Jesus. And then another disciple comes forward and says, look, we do have five barley loaves here and two fish in the midst of 5,000 people. I wouldn't say, as we think about it, that would go very far. But isn't it true that so often in our life, in our hand, God has given us something? Small as it may be, God's given it to us to use. And as you use it, it's amazing how it grows, whatever it may be. And and other opportunities come as well. So uh, it's, it's a story which takes a whole sermon, a whole evening to, to learn, to have a really good discussion about what is it that God has given to you, as small as it may be, and how is it being used? Because every gifting, every ability, every ability that you've learnt to, to train yourself within, God has a use somewhere for it. Meanwhile, the disciples are watching all these things that are happening, watching the discussion, watching the debates, seeing miracle after miracle. And finally, Jesus walks on water. After, after he walks on water, he talks about, I am the bread of life. Gee, all the time, Jesus is teaching them, I am the truth, I am the way, I am the life. And if you are thirsty, Come to me. Come to me in life. He also says, stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. Can you see how the teaching of Jesus, so simple and down to earth, the disciples are learning as they journey with him? The validity of Jesus' testimony comes up about the truth, about unity, about freedom, and the claims of Jesus himself. Pharisees are involved again, wanting to discuss it with him. The healing of the man born blind. Um, He's a man who, um, all his life, everyone knew that when he was born, he was blind. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent us, who sent me, Jesus says. And that applies to us, doesn't it? But what's the question? The question is, well, why is he born blind? Was it his sin, or was it the sin of his parents that caused him to be born blind? And I love this. It is so that the works of God might be displayed. God always knew. God always knew how that was going to be used. And what 2,000 years later we're still learning uh, from that little passage. We hear the story of the Good Shepherd, how he leaves the 90 behind, he goes out looking for the one that is lost. And when he finds that one, he rejoices, he places the lamb on his shoulder and comes back to the other 99. The disciples were present. During all these three years, their lives were totally changed. They stepped out of what they knew so well, a doctor, fisherman, um, Matthew. And finally, we come to the death of Lazarus. Well, a word had gone out. I don't know how, but it it goes out mighty fast in these old days. Um, Maybe they had pigeons, I'm not sure. (laughs) But they, he knew that Lazarus was not well. His disciples even says to him, well, Jesus, you know, shouldn't we go to Bethany? Um, Lazarus is your mate. He's your brother. He's, he's your friend. There was Lazarus, there was Mary, and there was Martha, and they were brothers and sisters living together. And there's other occasions when Jesus and his disciples were there, eating together. Remember Mary washing Jesus' feet with this very, very expensive, farming oil that cost a whole year's salary. And it was Jesus being anointed even before he was to die. What did Mary know that none of the disciples knew? Eventually, Jesus just waited another few days and in four days decided to go. As he uh, approached uh, Bethany, It was Martha who first greeted him just outside the village. It was interesting what Martha said. She said, Jesus, had you been here, you could have healed Lazarus. And she rushed off to find Mary, and Mary came. And what did Mary say? Exactly the same. Jesus, had you been here, you could have healed Lazarus. They both knew that Jesus was able to heal people. Probably because of the miracles Jesus had done, that they may have been present or heard about. And Jesus just says, "Where is the tomb? Roll that stone away." Well, a little bit of chaos enters into the thing, because um, uh, Mary uh, then says, "But, but Lord, um, the body, uh, four days, um, it." it it stinketh somewhat, and, uh, and the old RSV uses those words. I mean, how would you go, if you're present and someone dies, uh, it's one thing to pray for the resurrection of that person there and then compared to waiting for four days when the body starts to decompose and then pray. You've got to the point where you think, well, you know, maybe they're meant to have died. The disciples knew Jesus after three years. Jesus announces he's going to leave them. Shock. But yet, as many questions are presented uh, to Jesus by those who knew him so well. John 13, Jesus says, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now where I am going. You cannot come. And on in 13, he says, "A new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another, and by this all men, all nations will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. These are some of his final words that ring true to us today. Anyway, Simon Peter starts off and Simon Peter says, Lord, where are you going? Where are you going? Watching uh, a series at present and the disciples are often sitting around the fire at night time and they're talking, "Well, well, where's he been today? You know, shouldn't we have a program for him so we can keep track of where he is and what we should be doing? And you can imagine that happening. Lord, where are you going? Where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And Peter says, Lord, why can't I follow now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus says, will you, Peter? Will you lay your life down for me? For I'm telling you that you're going to disown me three times. The disciples were fearful. They were anxious. Now. Their leader was going away, and Jesus tries to comfort them. Where do we find the disciples after Jesus' death? They're in the upper room. They're locked behind locked doors, fearful of the Jewish elders, fearful of the Pharisees, fearful of the Romans. And who appears there? Jesus. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Thomas is obviously not sure as he asks a question as well. Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus speaks so clearly. He says, Thomas, I am the way, I am the truth. And I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I only ever speak the words that the Father gives me to do. Well, Philip wasn't happy, so Philip asks a question. Now, isn't it beautiful? it It means that we can ask Jesus, we can ask the Spirit of God, we can ask God any question we like and expect an answer. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Just show us him. And Jesus makes these beautiful statements. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believing, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, the Father is in me, and at least believe on the evidence of the miracles that you have seen and experienced. If you know Jesus, you know the Father. The only way to the Father is through Jesus. So Jesus speaks to them about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Beautiful passages, verse 15, 16, 17, and 18 the Spirit of Truth. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor, a comforter, to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The Word cannot accept him, the world cannot accept him, but it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Judas, now this is not the bad Judas, this is Judas, um, not Judas Iscariot. Ask a question again. Lord, but why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Well, he's speaking to the disciples. Um, but again, oh, that's a good question. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will have, will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. He who does love me uh, he who does not love me will not obey my teaching these words you hear are not my own they belong to the father who sent me if you have seen me you have seen the father there's a powerful work that the spirit of god does within all our lives. Jesus taught his disciples about the work of the Holy Spirit through and on behalf of those who believe in him, his followers, his church, the people who are the believers. The Holy Spirit is just like Jesus, one called along the side to help, to support, one who pleads another's case one there to protect our backs and to know that we don't need to be fearful, we don't need to have anxiety. We know that Jesus is there with us. So the Spirit, he testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. It guarantees our ultimate salvation assured of the life after this life. The Spirit makes us. As belonging to God. The Spirit agonises with us and helps us as we suffer in this world. And the Spirit acts on our behalf, in our defence, just as Jesus does and just as he did. Well, the Spirit's coming is far better for us than for Jesus had lived on. He was human. He grew from a child to being 33, 34, and had he gone on, he would have been a very old person. Jesus taught that the presence of the indwelling spirit would be better than his own physical presence. The spirit enlightens our understanding about who Jesus is and what he did. It brings a spiritual and eternal peace of heart that does not depend on any circumstances. It is Jesus' gift, free, given to us. The coming of the Spirit to indwell believers confirms that Satan has been vanquished and the saving work of Jesus has been completed. We are waiting for his return. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the house of Jacob. We are the new Jerusalem. We are the church of God. We are his followers. We are his people. We are his church. Does he reside in the temple or the church buildings or the ark? No. He resides in his people. He resides in his people. And Jesus said, If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I only ever do What the father tells me to do i am in the father and he is in me and i in you so what is the way to the father how do we know the father well it's by knowing jesus jesus is the only way that we come to the father lord we just thank you for The great plan where you send your son out of your grace and your mercy and your love for the people of this world, for your son to walk on the face of this earth. And even now, 2,000 years later, we see that he's fulfilled all that was promised, prophesied by the prophets, the law of Moses, everything complete for us to step forward and say, yes, Jesus, Lead my life. Be part of my life. Father, we thank you for those disciples and the questions they asked. For Lord, it encourages us to ask you questions as well. It was hard for them. And they went on changing this world with the message of Jesus, the good news that Jesus came because he had a love for the people of this world. Lord, give us that love in our hearts that we may become the people that you want us to be, that we may go internationally, globally, in sending people to proclaim the message that you've given to us, to go. We thank you that you told us to go. And, Father, if we aren't able to physically go, Father, we pray that we might be the one who send and support those Do you have light on their hearts to go? Thank you, Lord. Amen.